Section 28 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Proceedings of the International Geographic Conference in Chicago, July 27th through the 28th, 1893. Memoirs and Addresses. Recent Disclosures Concerning Pre-Columbian Voyages to America in the Archives of the Vatican by William Elroy Curtis Part 2 The documents from the secret archives of the Vatican, of which facsimiles were furnished by Cardinal Rampola, for exhibition in the monastery at La Rabida, are as follows. 1. 985 Letter of Pope Innocent III, dated February 13, 1206, to the Archbishop of Drontheim, confirming his metropolitan rights over the Diocese of Greenland, which had been established by Pope Eugene III in 1148. Translation Innocent III to the Archbishop of Drontheim, and his canonically appointed successors in perpetuity. Although the power of binding and loosing was given to all, although one and the same command of preaching the gospel to every creature was given to all. Nevertheless, a certain distinction of dignity was decreed, and one alone received above all the rest the care of the Lord's sheep, according to the Lord's words, Peter, lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. It was Peter, likewise, who obtained the preeminence among all the apostles. He who received a special command from the Lord to confirm his brethren, in order that posterity might thereby understand that though many should be ordained to govern the church, one alone was to hold the supreme dignity, one alone was to be over all the rest in authority and jurisdiction. Hence, and in accordance with this design, a distinction of dignities is observed in the church, and just as in the human body the different members thereof are destined for different purposes, so also in the church different persons receive different orders for different ministries, for some are ordained for special churches, some for the government of different cities, and the settlement of different affairs, others are set over special provinces, others have jurisdiction over their brethren for the trial of cases pertaining to their subjects. Over all these, however, the Roman pontiff, like Noah in the ark, is recognized as holding the first place, for he, by virtue of the privilege granted him from on high, in the person of the prince of the apostles, judges, and settles the causes of all, and ceases not to confirm in the Christian faith the sons of the church throughout the world, rightfully endeavoring to prove that he has heard the voice of the Lord, saying, And thou being once converted, confirm thy brethren. The apostles and men who have successfully risen to the government of the apostolic see since the blessed Peter have likewise striven with unfailing zeal to accomplish the same, and either personally or by means of their legates they have endeavored to their utmost to correct whatsoever needed correction and to decree whatsoever was required. Our predecessor of happy memory, Pope Eugene, following in their footsteps, was anxious, in accordance with the duty of his office, to correct in the kingdom of Norway all that seemed to demand correction, by sowing therein the word of faith, and what he himself was unable to do, owing to his care of the universal church, 
he entrusted for execution to his legate Nicholas, then Bishop of Albano, and later Roman Pontiff, who, having gone to that country, loaned out, obediently, to the commands of his master, the talent he had received, and, like a faithful and wise servant, endeavored to derive an increase therefrom. Among other things which he there accomplished to the glory of God's name, and the credit of his ministry, according as he had been commanded by our aforesaid predecessor, he bestowed the pallium upon thy predecessor John. And lest the province of Norway should lack the supervision of a metropolitan, he designated the city of Nidris, now under thy charge, as the metropolitan see in perpetuity, of the said province, and gave it as suffrage sees in perpetuity. Aslo, Amatrip, Bargen, the Vrangi, and Orkney, Faroe, and Subrai Islands, Iceland, and Greenland, ordering the bishops of the same to obey him and his successors as their metropolitans. Lest, therefore, any one should ever presume to violate the order of the aforesaid legate, we, after the example of the above-mentioned Eugene, of happy memory, of Alexander and of Clement, our predecessors, and Roman pontiffs, confirm the same order by apostolic authority, and by the present ordinance decreeing that, in the city of Nidris, it is to be forever regarded as the metropolitan see of the above-mentioned cities, that their bishops are to obey thee and thy successors as their metropolitan, and to receive from your hands the grace of consecration, that thy successors, however, are to come to the Roman pontiff alone, in order to receive the gift of consecration, and that they are to be subject to the Roman church alone. Moreover, thy fraternity will use the pallium, which has been given thee, the emblem of the plenitude of the pontifical office, within church only during the solemn celebration of Mass, throughout thy entire province, and on those days only which are written below, viz. the Lord's Nativity, the Epiphany, the Lord's Supper, the Resurrection, Ascension, and Pentecost, on the festivals of the Blessed Mother of God, Mary, Ever-Virgin, the Feasts of St. Peter and Paul, the Finding and Exaltation of the Holy Cross, the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, the Feast of the Blessed John the Evangelist, on the commemoration of all saints when consecrating churches or bishops, blessing abbots or ordaining priests, on the anniversary of the consecration of thine own church, the feasts of the Holy Trinity, and of St. Olaf, and the anniversary of thy consecration. Wherefore let thy fraternity perform all things with such diligence, that the ornaments of thy conduct may be in keeping with the fullness of the great dignity thou hast received. Let thy life be an example to all who are under thee, so that they may learn therefrom that they should seek after what they are obliged to shun. Be distinguished for thy prudence, chaste of thought, pure in conduct, discreet in silence, useful in speech. Seek rather to do good to men than to rule them. In thyself thou shouldest consider not the power of the order, but the equality of thy condition. Have a care lest thy life render void thy teaching, or thy teaching be in contradiction with thy conduct. Remember that the government of souls is the art of arts. Strive above all things to observe faithfully the decrees of the apostolic see, humbly obeying the same as thy mother and mistress. 
These, most beloved brother in Christ, are some among the many duties which pertain to thy archiepiscopal and sacerdotal office, all of which thou canst easily perform with Christ's aid, provided that thou hast charity, which is the mistress of all virtues, and humility, that thou hast inwardly what thou seemest outwardly to have. Accordingly we decree, etc., unto the end. Given in Rome at St. Peter's by the hand of John. Cardinal, Deacon of St. Mary's, in Cosmodin, Chancellor of the Holy Roman Church, on the 13th day of February, the 6th indiction, in the Lord's Incarnation, 1205, and the 8th year of the Pontificate of Pope Innocent III. 2. 986. Four letters from Pope John XXI to the Archbishop of Drontheim, relative to the collection of tithes in Greenland, for the Crusade, dated December the 4th, 1276. John XXI to the Archbishop of Drontheim. Having received by apostolic brief the commission to collect tithes in the Kingdom of Norway for the Holy Land, and having been expressly commanded in the same brief to visit personally all the countries of the said kingdoms for this purpose, thy fraternity informs us that such visitations seem in a measure impossible, for the diocese of Gardar, which belongs to thy province and kingdom, is so far from the metropolitan sea, and the difficulties of navigation are so great, that five years are scarcely sufficient for the round journey. Hence thou hast reason to doubt whether the apostolic mandate, or thine, will reach the aforesaid country within the period named for the payment of the tithes. Accordingly, thou hast had recourse to the wisdom of the apostolic see for a remedy in this matter. We therefore, in our desire that the collection of the said tithes be diligently attended to, do wish and by apostolic letters do command thy fraternity, the above facts being true, to appoint certain capable and faithful persons, regarding whom we charge thy conscience, who shall go to that country, and shall see to and diligently superintend the said collection. Thou shalt also zealously provide whatsoever shall seem expedient in the said matter, that thou mayest obtain thy reward of the Lord, and merit for thyself more abundantly the favor of the apostolic see. Given at Verterbo. December the 4th, in the first year. To the same. Having received by apostolic brief the commission to collect tithes in the kingdom of Norway for the Holy Land, and having been expressly commanded in the same brief to visit personally all the countries of the said country for this purpose, thy fraternity has informed us that several of the dioceses in that kingdom, and belonging to thy province, are so widely scattered over the sea, and so extensive in territory, that it would be difficult for thee to visit personally all the districts of the aforesaid diocese within a period of about six years, and without most serious expense to thy see, and since thou wouldst have to travel for some five or more seasons, through countries where, because there are no houses, thou wouldst be compelled to carry tents, thou hast asked to be authorized to depute, notwithstanding the apostolic brief to the contrary, certain prudent and capable commissaries to collect the tithes in the said countries wherefore in order to spare thee and thy see such expense we have concluded to grant thee by tenor of these present permission to appoint such commissaries for the collection of tithes in the said diocese in case the above be in accordance with the facts 
and if thou seest fit to do so, regarding which we charge thy conscience. We wish thee, however, to visit personally such of the aforesaid dioceses as thou canst, without great inconvenience, and to attend zealously to the collection of the said tithes, in order that thou mayest expect a recompense from the Lord, whose work it is, and mayest more abundantly merit the favor of the apostolic see. Given at Vertibo, December the 4th, in the first year. To the same. Thou hast informed us that, owing to the great extent of the diocese in the kingdom of Norway, wherein thou hast been appointed by apostolic letter collector of tithes for the relief of the Holy Land, the two collectors named, with apostolic permission, for every diocese, are not sufficient for the said work, nor can they attend to the matter without inconvenience and very great expense. By the advice and with the assent of thy suffragans in the said kingdom, thou hast appointed for the country districts of the different dioceses several other collectors, who by their own efforts, and at their personal expense, are to collect the tithes and then consign them to the two city collectors. Wherefore thou hast humbly besought us to consider the labor and expense to which these country collectors put themselves, and to grant them some indulgence. Hence, as we desire that these country collectors should drive some profit from their labors and expense, we grant them the indulgence which has been accorded to those who by their efforts and cooperation further the cause of the Holy Land. Given at Viterbo, December the 4th, in the first year. To the same. Thou hast informed us that in the kingdom of Norway, where thou hast been entrusted with the collection of tithes for the Holy Land, the current coin is so base as to be of no value beyond the frontiers of the kingdom, and that in certain parts of the said kingdom money is not used at all. Besides, no crops are grown and no fruits are produced, the people subsisting almost entirely upon milk, cheese, and fish. Hence thou hast humbly asked us to tell thee what thou art to do with the tithes collected of the aforesaid milk, cheese, fish, and money. Accordingly, in our desire, that whatever is most advantageous to the work to be done in the matter. We think that it would be well, if the above be exact, to exchange, as circumstances will permit, all such coin and tithes for gold or silver. As for the nuns and other religious orders of the same kingdom, whose incomes and ecclesiastical revenues are so small as to be inadequate for their support, thou canst observe that which is more fully set forth in the declarations concerning this collection of tithes. Given at Viterbo, December the 4th, in the first year. Number 3. Number 987. Letter from Pope Nicholas III, dated January 31st, 1279, to the Archbishop of Drontheim, concerning the collection of tithes in Greenland. Nicholas III, to his venerable brother, the Archbishop of Drontheim. We have gathered from thy letters to us that the island on which the city of Gardar is situated is rarely visited by a ship, because of the storminess of the ocean within which it lies. Hence, when recently certain seamen set sail for the said island to the said city, thou didst avail thyself of the opportunity to send, in company with the said seamen, a prudent man whom thou didst depute to collect the tithes, and relying upon our approval, thou didst authorize him to absolve clerics from the sentence of excommunication, which they had incurred for not having paid the tithes within the appointed time, 
and to free them from whatsoever irregularity they might have contracted. Hence thou hast humbly sought us to grant our gracious ratification. Since then we cannot favorably assent to this demand, inasmuch as it is not supported by reason, and wishing on this account to accede to thy desires by applying a ready preservative against dangers to souls, we hereby authorize thee to impart to those whom thou hast sent, or whom thou wilt hereafter send, to the aforesaid islands to absolve clerics, whether in the above-mentioned or in whatsoever other islands of the same sea, from the aforesaid sentence according to the form of the church, and to dispense them from this kind of irregularity. Given in Rome, St. Peter's, January 31st, 1279. Number 4. Letter from Pope Nicholas III to Master Bertrand Arnabri, dated June the ninth, 1279, concerning the purchase of wine and altar bread for the churches in Greenland. Nicholas III to the same, Master Bertrand Amabrie. We have lately been informed by thee that certain revenues have been assigned by the piety of the faithful in the cathedral churches of Denmark and Sweden, for the special purpose of procuring wine and altar-bread for the clergy of the churches within the said kingdoms. As, however, thou hast consulted the apostolic see as to whether tithes should be taken from such revenues, we, while commending thy diligence, do by apostolic letter leave the matter to thy discretion, so that, if the revenues be so considerable that thou art certain a large sum is left over after the furnishing of wine and altar-bread, we desire that tithes be paid thereof. If, however, little or nothing remains of the said revenues, nothing is to be paid, out of reverence for worship and the sacrament of the Lord. Given in Rome at St. Peter's, June the ninth, 1279. Number 5. Number 988. Letter of Pope Martin the Fourth to the Archbishop of Drontheim, dated March the fourth, 1281 instructing him as to the skins and whalebone contributed as tithes by the people of Greenland. Martin the Fourth to the Archbishop of Drontheim. Thy fraternity has informed us that the tithes which are being paid in the Iceland and the Faroe Islands in the Kingdom of Norway consist of various articles which cannot easily be exchanged or sold, on which account the same cannot well be sent to the Holy Land or the Apostolic See. Thou hast added, moreover, that the only tithes which can be collected in Greenland consist of skins, probably of the elk or of the musk-ox or of seals, curia bovina elforcerum, teeth-ropes of whales, funes balnerum, which according to thee can hardly be sold for any suitable price. Wherefore thou hast asked instructions of the apostolic see as to what thou shouldst do in the premises. Accordingly, whilst we praise thy zealous solicitude, we answer thy question to this effect. Thou wilt endeavor to exchange the tithes of Greenland and aforesaid islands to the best possible advantage, either for silver or gold, and will forward this same as soon as thou canst, together with the other tithes collected in the kingdom for the relief of the Holy Land, faithfully informing as to the nature and amount of what thou sendest. We likewise write to our most dear Son in Christ, the illustrious King of Norway, asking him not to prevent nor to allow any one to prevent the free exportation from his kingdom 
of the tithes which are to be applied, according as the apostolic see shall see fit, to the relief of the aforesaid holy land, and effectually to endeavor to repeal the prohibition decreed against clerics of the said kingdom, forbidding any layman of the same to sell sterlings or other silver. Given at Orvieto, March the 4th, 1281. Number 6. Number 989. Letter from Pope Nicholas V, dated September 20th, 1448, to the Irish bishops at Schalhat and Holar, concerning the condition of the church in Greenland. Nicholas, etc., to our venerable brothers, Bishop at Schalhat and Bishop of Holar, health, etc. In directing the government of the universal church by virtue of the apostolic charge delivered to us from above, it is our solicitude in God's name to secure the salvation of souls redeemed by the precious blood of our Saviour, not only by calming the storms of impiety and error which sweep over them, but also by sheltering them when exposed to calamities and the whirlwinds of persecution. From the natives and inhabitants of Greenland, an island said to be situated in the most distant parts of the ocean off the northern coast of the Kingdom of Norway, in the province of Drontheim, a mournful wail has reached our ears and sat in our heart. This people nearly six hundred years ago received the faith from the lips of their glorious apostle, the blessed King Olaf, and preserved it unchanged and pure, guided by the ordinances of the Holy Roman Church and the Apostolic See. In the lapse of time, burning with a constant devotion, they erected numerous churches and a splendid cathedral, in which divine worship was faithfully carried on, until, thirty years ago, by the permission of him who, in his inscrutable wisdom and knowledge, chastises those whom he loves in order to perfect them, barbarians from the neighboring pagan shores sent a fleet for the invasion of the island. The country was devastated with fire and sword. Sacred temples were destroyed in the whole island, which is said to be of vast extent. Only nine parochial churches were left untouched, because they could not easily be reached on account of their situation among the mountains. Many of the miserable natives of both sexes who seemed able to bear the yoke of perpetual slavery, and on account of their physical endurance best fitted for the purposes of their tyrants, were led away by them captives. However, as the same report added, after some time many of them returned to their native shores, and having here and there re-erected what the barbarians had demolished, they desired to spread divine worship and restore it to its former splendor. But past calamities had left them in such a starving and destitute condition that they were without the means of supporting a bishop and priests, and unless, in their desire for religious services, they could undertake a journey of many days to the churches which had escaped the hands of the barbarians, they were for those thirty years in want of the solace of a pastor and the ministry of priests. Accordingly, they have most humbly implored that in our paternal commiseration we would aid them in the gratification of their pious and salutary desire. We would deign to satisfy their spiritual wants and show our benevolence in that of the apostolic see in this matter. Wherefore, moved by the just and lawful petitions and desires of the aforesaid natives and inhabitants of the island of Greenland, and not having certain knowledge of the above facts and their circumstances, we by apostolic letters order one or both of you whom we understand to be of neighboring bishops, 
after having diligently examined and understood what we have said above to ascertain whether it be true if this is the state of affairs and if you find the number and resources of the population sufficiently increased to make the expedient and fulfillment of their desire it is our wish that you ordain fitting priests of exemplary life and provide rectors for the government of the restored parishes and churches and for the administration of the sacraments moreover if one or both of you it seemed timely and expedient having asked the advice of the metropolitan if the distance permit we give you power to appoint and constitute as bishop for them some useful and qualified person in communion with us and with the apostolic see to consecrate him in our name with the usual form of the church and to concede to him the administration of spiritual and temporal affairs after having received from him a fitting and customary oath of allegiance to us and the apostolic see making this a matter of conscience we by our apostolic authority concede to one or both of you full and unrestricted power in this matter according to the tenor of these presents all statites all constitutions whether apostolic or of general councils or of any other kind whatsoever notwithstanding given at rome at st potentianas in the year etc fourteen hundred and eighty eight twelfth day before the calends of october the second year of our pontificate number seven number nine ninety letter of pope alexander the fourth fourteen ninety two to ninety three appointing matthias a monk of st benedict to the bishopric of gardar greenland and describing the condition of the people of that country we are informed that the church of gadar on the confines of the world in the country of greenland whose inhabitants are wont to subsist upon dried fish and milk on account of the dearth of bread wine and oil and that because of the very rare voyages which can be made to the said country owing to the freezing of the waters no ship is supposed to have landed there during the past eighty years we are told moreover that such voyages are not considered possible except in the month of august after the thawing of the ice and that no resident bishop or priest has governed the said church for some eighty years past hence because of the absence of priests it has happened that a great many of the inhabitants of that diocese who were once catholics have alas denied the sacred baptism they had received it is said that the people of that country have no other reminder of the christian religion than a certain caparal which they show once a year and upon which the body of christ was consecrated by the last resident priest one hundred years ago owing to these and other considerations our predecessor pope innocent the eighth of happy memory wishing to provide an efficient and worthy pastor for the said church which has for so long been deprived of such a consolation in accordance with the advice of his brethren of whom we were one appointed to the said see our venerable brother matthias a professed member of the order of st benedict and now bishop-elect of gades having been precognized at our request previous to our election in his great zeal for the conversion of those who have fallen away and for the expiration of error he now cheerfully resolves to set out upon his most dangerous voyage whilst most highly commending in the lord his pious and laudable intention 
we wish to assist him somewhat because of his poverty. Wherefore, of our own act, cognizance, and upon the advice and with the consent of our brethren, we command under penalty of excommunication to be incurred ipso facto, our beloved sons, the copyists, abbreviators, the solicitors, the officials of seals, and registrator, and all other officials in the respective offices, whether of the chancery or the apostolic chamber, to forward and to have forwarded promptly and entirely free of charge all apostolic letters concerning the promotion to the aforesaid Church of Gades, which have been sent to the said bishop-elect. Moreover, by the same act, with like cognizance and under the same penalties, to be incurred by those who disobey, and all else to the contrary notwithstanding, we order the clerics and notaries of the apostolic chamber to deliver to the said bishops all such briefs and bulls without payment or exaction of any tax, or of any of the fees or gratuities usually paid on like occasions. Let everything be done gratis, in all the offices, because he is very poor, etc. This concludes the series of letters relating to the American continent on the files of the Vatican, dated prior to 1492, and while they furnish presumptive evidence that the existence of the unexplored lands and savage races west of Greenland was known to the Church, they are equally strong proof that Columbus received no information or encouragement from them, particularly as he never expected or desired to discover new lands, but sought a shorter passage to the lands of opulence described by Marco Polo. End of Section 28